0: Well, as you may or may not know, Pastor Matt is in a message series called The Supernatural Acts of the Church. He's in Jerseyville this morning delivering part three of that message series. And he'll be back here next Sunday uh, delivering... uh, I think he's in part three here, right? I'm getting everything confused. Part three. So my message today is is not a part of that Supernatural Acts series. I will say I'm going to stay in that same arena so to speak, because one of the things that Pastor Matt had said was his goal of the supernatural supernatural acts of the church was to show us how to live in freedom, to show us how we can live in freedom, live a life of freedom, walk out our freedom that we have in Christ. So I'm going to stay in that area today and talk about freedom. And some of us, even when I say the word freedom, some of us are thinking, man, I don't have any idea what that guy's talking about. I have so much stress in my life, I have so much baggage in my life, I've been through so much in my life, any type of living in freedom is just some unimaginable thought. It's some unfathomable thought that's set aside for some other people, but I have so much going on, I can't even, I can't imagine to think what living a life of freedom means. I'm just trying to get through the day, much less walk out a life of freedom. And we've all, if I, if I asked you to raise your hand, who's been through that? We'd have 100% of the people raising their hand at some point in your life. If you're not there now, you've been there or you're gonna be there in the next couple days. That's just the way it is, right? But I'm here to tell you this morning that this book, this book and the God that we serve, he has called us to live a life of freedom. That's the life that he has set aside and planned and created for us. And even if I say that, You think to yourself, well, what what even is a life of freedom? And here's the definition that I just jotted down as preparing this. There'd be many definitions, but here's here's what I would say the definition of freedom is. Living in freedom is being able to live out the fullness of what God has called me to do and to realize everything that he has afforded me through his death on the cross and his extravagant love for me. Boy, if I could fill that, if I could pull that off in my life, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? (laughs) And here's here's what I think. There's many things that's special about our church here. There's many things that's special about what God's going to do here. Here's what I think. This is just Mike Lemp's opinion. One of the most special things about this church, and I think what the future of this church is, I believe that we here at Life Church X are going to be known to have a church and a people who are living and walking out a life of freedom. The people who are going to look at this church and say, there is a culture of freedom in that church. Those people, that church, they contend. They contend for a life of living in freedom. And it all starts at the top. It starts with Pastor Matt and Pastor Katie. Why, why, can we, why can we be a church known for living a life of freedom and a people walking in freedom? Is because our pastors contend and teach us about living a life of freedom. Not only teach us about how to do it, but teach us the importance of, do it, to, of doing it, how to do it, and how important it is to live a life of freedom, to live the life that God has called us to do and designed us to do. And we need to do this as pastors, as staff, as leaders, as volunteers, every single one of us. And today I'm going to talk about what I think, what I think is, I guess I would say it this way, is the greatest factor in living out a life of freedom, and that is love, L-O-V-E. Love is the greatest emotion. Love is the greatest emotion that there will ever be. Now, we're not necessarily going to build a life on emotion. We're going to build a life on truth and truth based on God's word. So I would take that love emotion that we feel as people and say that God's love, this is what we're talking about today, God's love. God's love for us and everything that him dying on the cross meant for us, God's love for us is the greatest supernatural act of the church that there will ever be. God's love for us and us actually knowing what that means to our life is the greatest supernatural act that there will ever be. If you have your Bibles here this morning... You can turn it to Mark chapter 16, and this is a scripture that Pastor Matt's been using in his series as well. 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are all things that we are contending for. Are they not? They are. Here's what I would say this morning. These are all things that will only be done through love. They will only be done through love. In a little while, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians where it even doubles down on this. But all of these things that we do, all of these great supernatural acts always have to be done through love. Or if they're not done through love, you know what these supernatural acts are? They're not supernatural. They're going to be ordinary. All of these things are done through love. And I know you, I've got a bunch of guys looking at me like I've got three heads thinking, dude, I did not come to church this morning to talk about (laughs) Love. I came to hear some sort of, I don't know, motivational, inspiring story about baseball or football or NASCAR. Let me tell you, I can talk baseball, football, NASCAR with the best of you. But real manhood is about none of those things. Real manhood is about love. The women are saying amen. I'm just telling you, <laughs> the men are just staring me down. You know, you've heard, this, you've heard the whole, I'll help some of you men out with this. I'll help some of you men. I'm going to give you something here. You know, we've heard, we've heard the line that says, real men cry. Right? Everybody's heard of that, right? That's actually not one that I buy into. Oh, I'm just being, obviously, Pastor Guy buys into that one, right? I will just say, hey, I am just starting getting back at you. I'm like, I'm just getting started, right? Matter of fact, when he was up here, I didn't know whether I needed to give him Kleenex, a paper towel, or a mop. Then I thought to myself, then he's crying again. I'm thinking like, holy cow, is that Pastor Matt or Pastor Guy? At this rate, I probably won't be back next week at all, so (laughs) (laughs) that's... But you've heard the saying that real men cry. And again, I'm having fun, but I can take that or leave, you know, I can take that or leave that, whatever. But what I will say, what I will say is real men love. Real men love. They're able to feel love. They're able to take in God's love. They're able to absorb God's love. They're able to impart love. They're able to show love to other people. That is the way God has designed us. The gospel and love are the foundation of all these supernatural acts of the church that we contend for and God has for us. 1 John 4.8 says, He who does not love does not know God for God is love 1 John 4:16 and we have known and believed the love that God has for us God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him John 13:34 i'm going to show you i'm going to read you lots of scripture today just so that you understand that this this importance of love is not just mike lemp's opinion it is coming straight from the word of god John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Here's what I know about you. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this guy doesn't know about me. See, this is interactive, so you're not going to ask me a question. I'm going to ask the questions for you and I'll give you the answer. Here's what I know about you. Every single one of us. You were created out of love. You were created out of love. You were created in love. You were created for love. You were created to live a life out of love because that's how he designed you. And I also know what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard love conquers all. And it's not really conquering anything in my life right now. Because here's what you're saying too. You're saying, well, you don't know my personal circumstance. And you're right, I don't. And I'm not making any judgment on your personal circumstance. I will make a judgment on what the Bible says about your personal circumstance in regards to God's love. You know what the Bible says about your personal circumstance? About God's love? It says it doesn't matter. It says it flat out doesn't matter. The Bible says that beyond whatever your upbringing was, whatever your the situation around your birth was, whatever the issue is with your parents, whatever your schooling was, whatever your race, your culture, your background, your social environment, the things you've done in the past, anything external or historical about you, it doesn't matter. You are a child of God. You belong to God's family, and He loves you. And I know right now, it doesn't sound like a lot, or better, better said, I-, I know that. I know that, but when, we, but when we really understand what God's love is to my life and what God's love means for my life, not just some super spiritual thing that happens on Sunday mornings. I'm saying every day of every moment of every week, God's love, it, when I start to understand it, affects the way I walk out my life and be able to walk it out in freedom no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your current situation is. And there's many of us right now that are saying, hey, my current circumstance, right? Boy, I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for a new direction in my life. There has to be something more to my life. And we're looking for all the answers to all those questions. And if you're really spiritual about it, and if you're really a good Christian, it probably sounds like this. I am looking for a breakthrough. Right? Breakthrough is a really spiritual word. Man, I'm looking for a breakthrough. You know where all of those things are going to be found? They're going to be found in understanding God's love for you. They are going to be found in, God's, in you understanding God's love for you. It's an unconditional love. I'll give you an example that here's what our earthly minds go to. If I leave here this afternoon and Pastor Guy and I are walking out to our cars, and Pastor Guy says, all right, Pastor Mike, see you later. Hey, remember, God loves you. Right? That's a kind of a nice Christian thing to say, right? Hey, we'll see you later. Hey, remember, God loves you. Probably the most powerful statement he could probably ever tell me. But you know what he would—you know what I would think when he says, "Hey, God loves you." You know what would happen in reality of the situation? Those three words, "God loves me," would go in one ear and out the other. I wouldn't even really take the full context of what he's saying. If. Take it a step further, if I was being real pastoral about it and being real Christian-like, I'd probably say, hey, thanks, pastor guy. Remember, God loves you too. And I'd be probably patting myself on the back saying, yeah, man, I really just encouraged him. Right? How many times have people said that to you? And what has its effect been on you? Probably not much. It may have, you may have felt good for a couple seconds. But just think about that. When somebody says, hey, remember, God loves you. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea what that means? When we start to grasp that concept of, you know what, hold on. Man, God really does love me. There really was a day that he went up on that hill on that cross and he died on that cross for me. If I was the only human... On the face of the earth, the same thing would have happened. The same transaction would have been made. That's the God that we serve. He's done that for each and every one of us. When we feel God's love, things change. I'll give you an example. This past Thursday, most of you know we have three kids, 23, 20, or going to be 21 next week, and 19. And so our baby... We just moved him to college on Thursday, right? So we are now empty nesters, right? As a parent, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is. But here's the reality of that situation, right? The reality of that situation on Thursday morning, we dropped off our youngest son to college. Exciting times for him, right? Right? Got the world to live by. The reality of our situation, my, my, our, our situation, the reality was Thursday afternoon at some point when we dropped him off. My entire life, I'm not like exaggerating, this is true. This is the reality. My entire life has changed. It's changed. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't feel sorry for me. That's the way life is. That's the way God designed But my life will never be the same starting on Thursday afternoon. So when I wake up on Thursday morning, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I am smart enough to think about, holy cow, this is a really big deal. I better spend some extra time in prayer. And you know what my prayer time looked like on Thursday morning? It wasn't a whole lot because I didn't really know what to do. I'm thinking to myself, man, I've got this life-altering thing happening to me. And I'm going to pray to the God in heaven. And I sat down to pray and I thought to myself, you know what? I don't have any idea what to pray for. Because this is all new to me. I don't know what I'm going to need tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to feel like tomorrow. I don't know what he needs to show me. This is all new for me. But here was my prayer, and maybe it was because I was preaching this message so it was top of mind somewhere, but here was my prayer. God, I don't know what I need. Here's here's all I know that I need right now. I need to feel your love. Because I know that if I feel your love... The way you love me, I know that Friday is going to be okay. And I know that whatever my situation is going to be okay, empty nestor or whatever, I know that if I feel God's love and I understand that he has gone before me in whatever that situation is, I know that everything's going to be okay. Matthew 22, 37. 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, and this, this group of scriptures right here, this might be the most important thing I'm going to try to get across this morning. Because we're talking about a big thing, God's supernatural love, right? I'm saying, I, my, my point today is it's the greatest supernatural act that there will ever be. So how am I going to really describe for you and to show you God's supernatural love. Quite simply, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it because it's supernatural. There are things that I am just not going to be able to explain the fullness of what God's love is. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. But verse 37 was the key. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If you read in Romans 13, it talks about that love is, all, is the fulfillment of all the law. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind. In all your soul. When we do that, he said this is the first and greatest commandment. When we do that, all these other things just fall into place. I'll give you an example. You look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, I think would all we would all agree, no matter what our church denomination background is or where we are right now, I think we would all agree that the Ten Commandments are pretty important. Would we not? Those are important. Here's here's my example of how important love is and loving God the way He has asked us to love Him and the way He's assigned to love Him. If we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, we, we can basically, we don't have to worry about any of the other commandments. Because if we do that one thing, right? If we do that one thing, the other commandments just fall into place, right? Read all, read all 10 sometime. You shall have no other gods before me, besides me, right? If I really love God the way he's d- designed it, I don't really have to, to worry about that one. I will not take the Lord God's name in vain, if I really love him, I don't have to worry about that commandment. It's already taken care of. Keep the Sabbath day holy. If I really love him, I don't have to worry about keeping that one. It just happens. Honor your mother or father. Do not lie. Do not, do not steal. Do not kill. All these things. If I really love him, I'll give you another one. Maybe this is a more practical one. Our marriage. If I love my wife, if I love my wife the way God has called me to love her and the way I should be loving her as my spouse, all these other marital issues, they they just go away. Or never happen. Right? If I love her, really the way I'm designed to. Now, I know there's people out there that, it's probably a bad example to give, but... Because there's probably people out here saying, saying, I've done that and it doesn't work. Well, unfortunately, in a marriage, it's a two-way street. You can only control things. But for the sake of this example, if I love her, if I love her the way I'm called to love her, all these other marriage things or issues or decisions or whatever, they just have a way of working themselves out because the foundation was based on something that was strong, that was based on something that was truth, right? I have state claimed. Hey, here's here's the deal. Sorry, I'm a little bit all over the place, but I promise I'm trying to go somewhere. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The only thing, the only thing in your life that the devil can steal and kill and destroy is the areas of your life that you already haven't staked claim to. The devil can only get into those areas because basically they're up for grabs. The example I just gave my marriage is not up for grabs. Now, we've been blessed to have an unbelievable marriage. That's because, one of the reasons, because both of us decided years ago that the devil had no stake or claim to our marriage. It was off limits. The devil can only attack you in areas that you have not already claimed by the blood of Christ. The devil does come to steal, kill, and destroy, but only in those areas. But if you finish that verse... He says that, but I have come. I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Amen? So that was a long way of getting to my three points. (laughs) The title of my message, you've probably guessed this already, is the freedom of God's supernatural love. The freedom of God's supernatural love. Point number one is love is the greatest supernatural act that there will ever be. It's very simply the story of the cross. The story of the cross. The cross of Jesus remains the only place, the only place where sin and bondage, the power of sin and bondage can be destroyed, and also where the power to live above sin and live in freedom. Can be attained. The cross is the greatest symbol of love there will ever be. And it's the only place, it's a symbol where death and hope all at the same time. All at the same time in that one moment. And when we understand this, when we understand this, it changes everything. It changes everything. Romans 8 38 through 39 does a great description of what I mean when, it changed, when I say it changes everything. Because still, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know you're describing the love of God, but I've, done, I've screwed up so many things, so many things that I can't possibly partake in this life of freedom and receiving God's love. You know what? Again, the Bible says that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Now, you may tell me, I'll be real honest, you may tell me, all the things that have happened in your life, all the things that you've screwed up, all the sins that you've committed. And honestly, I might say, you know what? That, that, that guy's in deep trouble. That guy's in deep trouble. He is digging a hole that he's in a hard time to get out of. But you know what? It, it, doesn't care what I, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he thinks. And here's what it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39. And you've probably heard this scripture, these two verses before, but I would ask you if you're in that situation of maybe not measuring up or God's love isn't for you, to really think about these two verses. Romans 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing. And you know what nothing means? Nothing means nothing. (laughs) In Romans 5, it says, Although you are a sinner... Not, hey, you sinned in the past, although you are a sinner, he still loves you and he still died for you. And when we understand this perspective, things change. Things change. When we understand the perspective of anything, things change. Have you ever heard the comment, perspective is reality? Well, that's really, that's like a, I had a hard time describing this in the first service, too. It's like a, I don't know, it's a Mike Lemp universal truth. Perception, perspective is rea- reality. Whatever your perspective is on a certain situation or issue or whatever it is, that, that's the reality. That's the reality of your life. It just is. It just is. But when we understand God's love and we have a perspective of what it really is, our life is changed Forever. Because we have an experience with him. I'll give you the best example I know is that you've also heard the phrase, life is short. Right? Life is short. Hey man, I'd go after that dream, I'd go after, I'd go after that job, I'd go after that girl, I'd go after whatever. Man, life is short. And you probably think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, life's short. But no one really thinks like life is short. You think you're gonna live forever. But Last Wednesday, I've had an emotional couple like six months, right? You know, my, my, Our daughter got married, but last Wednesday was the 25th anniversary of my dad passing away. My dad passed away when he was 50, I was 24. Life is short. So when someone says life is short, let me tell you, it doesn't go in one ear and out the other with me. I understand life is short and every day matters. So here's why I'm saying that. My perspective on life is very, very different. That day, 25 years ago, my perspective on life changed dramatically. I understood that life is short. Now, don't be sad. Don't don't get upset. I use this as a positive in my life. So every day I know it's important. I know it's important. If I and again, these examples will sound like they're sad, but they're not. But let's just say, let's say I go fishing with my boys. Or play catch with my boys, or take my daughter on a date, or whatever it is. Every time I do that, the last 25 years, I literally think to myself, if I'm fishing with my boys while we're fishing, at some point during that afternoon, I will think to myself, this may be the last day we ever do this. I'll think that thought every single day about something. Coming here this morning, at some point in the car ride, I might think, you know, you're getting like maybe a little nervous or butterflies or anxious about the message, and I'll think to myself, wait a minute, this might be. This might be the last message I ever preach. It might be. I don't know. Now, here's why I'm saying that. For that life experience I had, my perspective was radically and totally changed. If you're here and you're 50 years old and your parents are here and they're in their 70s and your grandparents parents are here and they're, they're 100 or whatever... You can't possibly have the same perspective on that than I do. Why is that? Because you haven't experienced that. So transition, here's my point. My example is I'm talking about God's love. Me telling you about God's love is not going to radically change your life. It's not. What's going to change your life is you having an experience and an encounter with Christ where you feel, experience, encounter His love. At that point, you've had a radical perspective shift that your life, your life will no longer be the same and you will understand Not only the power of God's love in this supernatural, unconditional way, but you'll understand the power of God's love and how you can walk out your life in freedom because there is an all knowing, all powerful, all loving God in heaven that loves you and loves you supernaturally and unconditionally. Number two, love is absolutely necessary. Love is absolutely necessary to how you understand God, how you understand yourself. It's the very starting point of every relationship or everything you will ever do or achieve as a human being. And most of the things in your life always start with how you view God's love for you. And this isn't, this isn't a theory not a theory. This isn't an idea. This just isn't some sort of good thought that makes the world go round. This is what the Bible says as the holy word of the Most High God. This is the love that He has for us. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. That's a huge statement. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me Nothing. All these spiritual gifts we have. All these plans God has for us. All these callings He has for us. All these supernatural acts. Done without love, they are nothing. Done without love, they are nothing. And we have to take God's supernatural love and walk it out in practical ways. It would be real easy to say, hey, Pastor Mike, how do you love your family? You know what? I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. That sounds pretty pastoral, doesn't it? That sounds like I know my Bible. You know what that means to my wife? You know what that means to my kids? Absolutely nothing. That doesn't mean anything to them. I have to take that supernatural love and put it in practical ways, right? You know what a practical way is? Spending time with my wife, spending time with my kids. It might be doing the dishes, doing the laundry, taking out the trash. I'm acting like I do all these things. I probably should as I'm thinking about them. (laughs) Those are the things... I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but those are the things... (laughs) that is going to show my wife that I love her. Those are the things they are going to show my kids that I love them. I'll, you're going to take this really unspiritually, but it's the truth. You know, or put it this way, my kids care very little about what I know about the Bible. They care Very, very little about what I know about the Bible. My wife, she's probably going to disagree about this, but my wife cares very little, very little about what I know about the Bible. You know what my wife and kids care about? They care about, can I understand that Bible and all of its truths and promises and supernatural acts? Can I walk them out? In a way that makes them feel loved, where they know I'm never. Can I practice what I read? Can I walk out in freedom, in a true freedom, the things that are in this book? Amen. Last point. Number three, love is permanent. Love is permanent. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Remember, love is permanent. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then which is in part will be done away. I'm going to go back. I'm going to jump down to 13. And now faith, hope, love... These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We've heard that before, right? And sometimes we get this wrong as Christians, because if we would take a poll or I would ask you today, hey, what's the greatest quality you can have for your Christian life? Most of us would say faith. We say, man, I need a strong faith. It's a pretty good answer. Maybe it's number two, but it's not number one. Because the Bible says that the greatest of these is love. And Paul's not, Paul's not you know, necessarily saying that these other two are wrong, obviously. They're all great. But he's saying the greatest of these is love. Why does he say the greatest of these is love? Because love is the only one that is endless. Love is the only one that is eternal. Because you won't, I know this sounds crazy, you won't always need faith. You won't always need hope. Because faith, because at the end of the age, when you get to heaven and when the Christ comes, you are not going to need faith because you are going to see Him with your own eyes. Faith will be over. You will not need hope any longer. Because hope will be standing right in front of you. You will have perfectly realized the hope. But love, love always remains. Love never ends and it never fails. And when we understand this, it's a game changer. Again, if you look at my my kids, right? I'm using this example because I'm in this age where, okay, like now it's like, hey, my like parenting skills in this season of my life, they're... They're gone, they're over, and they're going to be tested. And here's here's what my wife and I have banked on for the last, our oldest is 23. Here's what I have banked on, laid my life for, whatever, for the last 23 years. That I've banked on this, going to pay off for the rest of my kid's life. I realize that as many good things as I have to say, my kids will probably remember very little. I hate to, to, with people with younger kids, I hate to tell you this. Your kids are probably going to remember very little about what you say. My kids will probably remember a little bit more of, of what I do. I used the fishing thing earlier. They'll probably remember we went fishing, they'll probably forget a bunch of other stuff. But here's what we banked on my wife and I. They will never forget. They will never forget how we made them feel. They will never forget if we've done this right. I'm not saying I did it perfectly or right, but here's what I was trying to do, that they would they can't feel a supernatural love for my wife and I because that's not our job. But they can feel And unconditional love from us and hopefully I'm giving you a fatherly example that hopefully that love that they felt will stay with them forever similarly the love that God feels for us the love that God has for me when I understand What what the type of love and the power in God's love, my life will be radically changed forever. And God's love, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter where I'm at, no matter what my personal circumstance, that love of God will always remain and it will always be as strong as it ever has been. Because that's the God that we serve. Amen? Pastor Guy, you can come up. Here's something else that I know about you. Every single one of you. I know for a fact, because my Bible tells me so. Sounds like a children's (laughs) song, but... That you are way closer. That you are way closer to starting to more fully understand God's love than you think you are. You are way closer... Please listen to me. You are way closer to understanding the freedom that God, Jesus, wants you to live in. Not by anything that I've said this morning, but that that's just the truth of who God is and who he says he is and what happened that day on the cross. But you have to experience it for yourself. You have to have an encounter for yourself. The greatest gift, the greatest gift that you could ever give yourself, I promise you this, the greatest gift that you could ever give yourself is to start to come into some understanding the fullness of the way God loves you. Let God love you because when you start to walk into his love you start to walk into his freedom you start to walk into whatever he's called you to do you start to walk into peace and tranquility and I'm of the believer the way I live my life and all things is that just if I do a few things right if I do these main things right the rest of it just works out if I love my wife the way I should love her These other things just work out. If I love God, because I'm starting to understand how He loves me, when I start to understand how He loves me, everything else in my life, I see with a different perspective. I see with a new lens. I see with new eyes. And I can start to walk in a freedom, a freedom that He afforded me that day on the cross. Amen?